U.S. President Joe Biden set, is set to sign the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. It is a $1.9 trillion economic stimulus package intended to speed up the U.S. recovery from the economic and health effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the ongoing recession. Key elements of the stimulus bill include expanded unemployment benefits with a $300 weekly supplement through Labor Day of this year. 1,400 direct payments to individuals, emergency paid leave for over 100 million people, a 15% increase in food stamp benefits, and funds for black farmers, among others. Uh, also, the states will get a good chunk of money to help with their COVID relief. A section of the plan, hailed as historic by supporters, expands for one year a refundable child tax credit. Democrats plan to make this permanent with legislation already being drafted in both the House and the Senate for a permanent child benefit. As it stands now, families could receive up to $3,600 a year per child. Parents with children ages five and under um, would get a $300 payment per child, while those with children between six and uh, 16 would get $250 per child each month. The size of the benefit would diminish for single parents earning more than $75,000 per year and for couples earning $150,000 per year. Families whose income is too low to file taxes, including families headed by mothers on welfare, will be eligible to receive the benefits. Um, on the other side of the aisle, by the way, this legislation was not supported. Not one um, Republican voted for it. Mitt Romney has floated his own uh, child benefit plan with a bit more money, but he's plan he, his plans to pay for it would be reducing other benefits. Um, so uh, Democrats are opposing it. A uh, recent polling from the progressive think tank Data for Progress shows some 59% of likely voters support child tax credits. The full stimulus packet is supported by 70% of those polled, including 59% of Republicans. Some critics on the right of the child tax credit criticize it for being a form of welfare, that people are going to be getting money without working. Ignoring the fact that unpaid caregiving work um, is not only work, as the COVID-19 uh, pandemic showed, but that work produces billions of dollars to the U.S. economy per year, this according to the AARP. Others on the left, critics of the child tax credit, say it is too little and won't have the impact politicians are claiming of reducing child poverty by 50%. And many are upset that the push for a national minimum wage of $15 an hour failed to make it into the stimulus. 
This, they say, would be a true measure to lift families out of poverty. But grassroots women demanding a care income now are saying, not so fast. You could support a child tax credit as well as $15 an hour. It's not either or. And they are demanding that the child uh, tax credit be made into a permanent uh, child benefit. They say that while the government has distributed checks to people in order to stop the economy from grinding to a halt, it still refuses to consider providing an income for unpaid caregivers who are bearing the brunt of this crisis and that the child tax credit will indeed benefit single mothers and other impoverished families while acknowledging that much more is needed. How can one deny impoverished families, the majority headed by single mothers, the money from the child tax credit, they ask? Family unwaged caregivers, most of whom are women, including mothers and grandmothers, provide care for relatives, for children, the elderly, and people with disabilities. Let us go to a clip now, uh, breaking down um, the child tax credit. This is a clip from CNN. It's huge, historic. Families can expect thousands of dollars in relief. First, those stimulus checks, up to $1,400 for about 90% of households. The full amount for individuals making up to $75,000 a year and phasing out at $80,000. A check for each kid, and this time, their adult dependents qualify. Think an elderly parent and college-age student. If history is a guide, once signed into law, it could take a matter of days to start to hit bank accounts. People with bank information on file with the IRS, they're likely to get their money first based on their most recent tax return. That's 2019 if you haven't filed for 2020 yet. But the bigger payout here is the expanded child tax credit, a critical and historic effort to eradicate income inequality and child poverty. It gives parents with children six and under $3,600 per child for a year and $3,000 per child aged 7 through 17, $500 for each child 17 and 18, or full-time college students 19 to 24. Key here, direct monthly payments instead of getting a lump sum at tax time. Some back-of-the-envelope math, a family with two parents, two kids making, say, $96,000 a year, added up, that's $1,400 stimulus checks four times, $3,000 for each child under 18, that's $11,600 for that family. Another example, a single mother with one child, stimulus check and the child tax credit together equal $5,800. And there's a more generous earned income tax credit. So much of this legislation is geared toward low-income Americans. The Tax Policy Center says a low-income household with children would get an average tax cut of nearly $7,700, raising their after-tax income by more than 35%. This law is sprawling. There are tax breaks for childcare and dependent seniors or an incapacitated spouse, subsidies for healthcare premiums, money for agriculture, including $5 billion for disadvantaged farmers, a quarter of whom are black. There's housing aid, incentives for paid sick leave, plussed up food stamp benefits through September, money for vaccine distribution and for schools, and an extra $300 a week in jobless benefits through the fall. And the first $10,200 is tax-free for eligible households. 
All righty, there you go. Let's welcome our guests. I'm delighted to welcome back to Sojourner Truth, Peggy Amara, independent journalist who edits and publishes PeggyAmara.com. She was the editor and publisher of Mothering Magazine for over 30 years. Mothering Magazine, by the way, very important for me when I was, uh, uh, my daughter was young, I was a young mom. Her books include Having a Baby Naturally, Natural Family Living, The Way Back Home, and A Quiet Place. Peggy O'Mara has conducted workshops at Omega Institute, Esalon, Hollyhock, La Leche League, and Bioneers. She is the recipient of the La Leche League International 2001 Alumni Association Award, the International Peace Prayer Day 2002 Women of Peace Award, the National Vaccine Information Center 2009 Courage in Journalism Award, the Holistic Moms Network 2013 Lifetime Achievement Award, and five Maggie Awards for Public Service Journalism from the Western Publishing Association. Uh, she also has been active with Election Action for Caregivers, a group that came together uh, to try to push the Biden administration if elected exactly on these issues and is an, a supporter of the Care Income Now national and global campaign. She is the mother of four and grandmother of three. Peggy O'Mara, welcome back. Oh, great to be with you, Margaret. Thank you so much. Okay, so Peggy O'Mara, um, Tell us your reaction to the importance of this uh, child tax credits. I mean, you are the mother of four. What difference would that have made for you as a mom? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I almost cried last night when I was listening to the news about it. It reminded me of the bills that were passed when I was a, a young woman, you know, a young a teenager, really, in the great society with John F. Kennedy and LBJ and um, and finally to see a government actually doing something to help the people. So I'm ecstatic about it. Um, it would have made a tremendous difference to me. But I see it uh, when I was a young mother, but also I see it now for my daughter, who's a young mother and a single mother, and I see how much she has struggled, especially during this lockdown. Um, she's lost her job, and she was taking care of her child, uh, homeschooling her child as she needed to do, and very hard for her to find a job with that kind of a schedule and single mothers like herself and low income wage earners have been among the most hardest hit by the lockdown and so to see some um, help to uh, low income families and families in general is just um, is the way it should be it's the way public policy should be in the united states it's the way it is in the rest of the world Right. And, and do you think it should be made permanent and, and contrast um, the United States um, in terms of their um, child uh, policies in contrast with other developed countries who have had a child benefit for quite a long time now? Absolutely. Peggy. Well, the good news about uh, in terms of making it permanent, Margaret, uh, I, li I listened to uh, Sherrod Brown last night on uh, Joy Reid's show on MSNBC. And he said that he and Michael Bennett, Cory Booker, and Raphael Warnock would begin immediately working to make the child tax credit permanent by the end of the year when it expires. And he was very optimistic about its chances to become permanent because he thought that it would be very hard to argue against something that actually had reduced poverty. So as you said in your intro, they've actually already started on this, and they are confident about it. Um, but the United States is it's an outlier, really, in terms of any family benefits, in terms of all other 
high economy, uh, high income economies. The U.S. spends less than 1.5% of its gross domestic product on family benefits. Um, only Turkey and Mexico spend less. Denmark, France, and Hungary, for example, spend 3.5% of their GDP. And it's our priorities. We spend just 9% of our federal budget on children, while we spend 15% on defense spending. So that says the whole thing right there. The U.S. is the only country among 41 rich countries not to mandate any paid leave for new parents. In other countries, the least amount people get is about two months, and the longest is 60 weeks. And this is paid leave. Uh, we do hardly anything to help parents. We need not only these tax credits, but we need more cash benefits. We need paid maternity uh, maternity leave regardless of work history, regardless of whether you've been working or not. Family-friendly work schedules where people can share jobs, have flexible schedules, and child care subsidies for centers, but also for parents who are taking care of their children at home. And, of course, we need universal health care in the $15 an hour minimum wage. And all those things would put us on a par with other countries and really um, produce prosperity uh, among all of our population, not just the rich. Yeah, I know I was a single mom for a long time, and I could tell you, uh, Peggy Amara, even though uh, there are critics who say, well, this money isn't enough, um, but I could tell you it would have made a difference. I mean, everything is relative, and when you have advocates uh, putting it down and saying, well, it really isn't going to do very much, you just ask a mom. In particular, you you just ask a low-income single mom about whether it will help her or not, and you'll get an earful, (laughs) all righty? Um, on on that, you so uh, a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. helps a mom. And you know, I know from uh, following the legislation that once you get a bill in place, that's the hardest thing. You can change it. You can add more. You can change it into something simpler. Perhaps it should be a straightforward child benefit rather than a tax credit. Because as you know, some people don't apply for those tax credits. It's too complicated, or they don't think they're eligible because they haven't been working. So, and as I think you also know, Congresswoman Gwen Moore has a, introduced legislation to create an outreach program to help people understand about the tax credits that are available to them and help them get them. Um, so I think that's going to help a lot of people. But I think it is a good start, and I think that, you know, that's the main thing. Get it into law, make it permanent, increase it over time, make it simpler. Um, and as you and I have talked to, talked about, and, and we've been involved in, you know, supporting this and, and being in favor of this, um, we really want to make sure that this whatever benefit is coming for this child tax credit goes directly to the woman. Uh, right now it goes to the taxpayer, so we're hoping that over time that that can be adjusted. I think they just need more time to get all this organized. It's happened so quickly. But if it goes to the woman, it's more likely to protect the child. And um, women who are in domestic violence situations may be in some kind of financial entanglement where they don't get that money. Yes? Right. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just heard the, the board up for for a moment. Um, that, yeah. No, not to worry, Peggy. Let's let's just carry on. So you're absolutely right. I mean, because right now um, the, the supporters of this refundable child tax credit and I should say that 
child tax credits are not new. They were around before, but what changes here is that it has greatly increased. And also, it, before, if your income was too low to file taxes, if you were mom on welfare or whatever, you weren't eligible to get this uh, child tax credit. But now with right. this refundable child tax credit, um, you are eligible for it. And they also cannot use the child tax credit to cut your other benefits like welfare or food stamps or our Medicaid. So that's very good news for moms at the at the bottom. And you are absolutely right. Um, several are pushing for the child tax credit going to the primary caregiver and also for it not to be complicated. Uh, Congress yeah. is now figuring out uh, setting up portals uh, to make it as straightforward as possible. And we'll have to see if they could figure out a way for it to get to the mother or the primary uh, caregiver. Um, the other thing, uh, Peggy Omara, is that all primary caregivers are eligible, um, including those who have no income, those who perhaps are, are homeless, and also families who are undocumented ITIN filers. That's really important because yes. uh, a lot of undocumented families are discriminated against. Um, but Peggy well, Omara... Uh huh. Go on. Let me just say something about that. That the um, undocumented immigrants pay twenty-seven point two billion dollars a year every year in taxes. So they are tax-paying individuals, and they have their ITIN numbers that, that could be used to distribute the payments. So I'm hoping that that's just that that's something that's going to be worked out as this is implemented, as it's um, expanded, that we will be able to get this to the undocumented families who so many of us depend on for the work that they do in our communities. Absolutely right, because it's a, it's a little unclear in terms of what we've been able to find out, um, how this will impact undocumented families. On the one hand, we were told by some congressional offices that the children of undocumented uh, parents, if they have a social security number, you do need a social security number um, to get these benefits, that they would be eligible. And uh, okay. But we need, we need some clarity on it because it's a really important issue and it is very unclear. But um, Peggy Amara, what do you say to those who, um, you know, who are saying, hey, this is just some form of welfare. You're giving this to um, moms and, and others who aren't working. What's your pushback to that? Oh my gosh, I can't even say enough against that. That is such prejudice towards poverty. That is just a total lie. I mean, the fact is, that so many people are living in poverty. 70% of the people who are getting SNAP benefits and Medicaid are full-time working individuals. They are not, we do not pay people enough in this country that they can make, that working people can make a living wage. And that is the problem. And in this, I think that a couple hundred dollars a month for somebody that is going to make a big difference in their life is going to do anything but help them and is, is, is just a prejudice towards poverty and an ignorant statement. And what I want to say to those people is, do you know anybody that isn't rich? I mean, do you know anybody that is a working family? Because otherwise, what do you, you don't, you have no knowledge of anybody other than, you know, your own peers. If you don't, if those people in Washington are saying that, that's just a false old argument. I don't think that argument holds up anymore. I don't think most people will believe it. Um, and it's absolutely false. And it's insulting to people who struggle and live in poverty because of the fact that wages have not increased for over 40 years in this country. 
Right. And that's a, a very good argument for raising the wage, the minimum wage federal on the federal level to $15 an hour. That didn't make it into um, this legislation, but it is something that's very, very much uh, supported. Uh, but the, the, from the perspective of the Care Income Now people, who, uh, supporters, and I'm a supporter of that, who are saying, look, we have to redefine what work is because yeah. Um, yeah. being a mom is work. You know, so what are you talking about? That these are people who aren't working. Even the Marshall Plan for Moms by these celebrity um, put forward with a full page ad um, a couple of months ago uh, said that being a mom is work and that they should be a salary for it. And in fact, they were proposing a salary of something like low on the low end, but it was over two thousand dollars a month, um, and it would remain for uh, moms whose um, income levels were less than seventy. $5,000 a year. So what do you say to this argument about we only have to focus on uh, workers who are at what in the left is called the point of production or wage work? And what about unpaid caregivers? Well, you know, unpaid caregivers do most of the work in the world. You know, we know this from the Oxfam statistics that most of the work in the world is done by women and it's unpaid. In the United States, there are 53 million family caregivers that provide care for adults and children who can't care for themselves. And there's 11 million parents who stay home to care for their children. And you know and I know that they are busy 24-7, that they are doing all the work in the invisible work in the lockdown. They're the ones that are taking care of um, children during who are not in school, the ones who are taking care of the elderly. Um, so... There is an international movement and has been for decades to recognize, and also in the United Nations, to recognize caregiving work as work. Uh, Gwen Moore, as you know, has put that into a bill to recognize both going to school and caregiving, to define that as work. Um, Global Women's Strike and the Care Income Now has been for decades, led by Selma James, um, calling for a care income. Uh, Wages for Housework was the campaign that she started so I think this is a, a Greens. The Greens in Europe are calling for this caregiving income. Um, caregiving has been raised. It's both invisible, but during the pandemic, it has been raised more so that we are seeing the importance of it, how, essential, how essential it is, how much in the background it is, but how it underpins everything. So absolutely, caregiving is work. Um, being a parent is work. All these things should be uh, compensated for, and um, there should be income so that families can live outside of poverty so that children can grow up outside of poverty so that they don't go have to go to bed at night wondering what they're going to eat. Go to school with an empty stomach. We cannot tolerate in the United States any longer children being, so many children being in poverty, so many people suffering, when so many others are so well off and when there's plenty of money to go around for everybody. Right. And there is a sign on letter put forward by Care Income Now about making this um, fully refundable child tax credit uh, permanent. And I think people can likely go to the Every Mother is a Working Mother website, Global Women's Strike and, and other other websites if they would like to sign on to this letter. But Peggy Amara, um, 
my daughter um, and, and your, your daughter. work with Mothering Magazine was so critical uh, to the oh. years as a single mother I was spending working her. And Peggy, uh, you would be glad to know that just Tuesday, her first uh, book dropped, The Disordered Cosmos. And I'm so very, very proud of her, Peggy, and very so proud. grateful for all of the support you have lent and advice to uh, single mothers um, going through what I was going through. Thank you so very oh, much, Peggy Omara. I can't, yeah, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much.